0: On this episode of AV Week, we take a look back at 2019 what the biggest stories, the biggest issues, and the biggest guests we had. All that and more. Next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is
2: AV. This. This. This is, this. is this AV, AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is is AV Week, episode four thirty six, the best of twenty nineteen? Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron and by
3: Draper, focused on innovative solutions, and by AV Pro Edge, manufacturer of next level video distribution solutions.
0: Welcome to this very special edition of AV Week. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Uh, what we do is we're taking a look back at, at 2019. Uh, we do this typically every year around this time. The biggest stories, the biggest things uh, happen, the most listened to episodes. For us uh, at Aviation Nation, it's been a huge year. Uh, we, we here at AV AB, AB, we crossed episode number 400. So that was, uh, was kind of remarkable. Also started a number of shows, really great programs, and not just me, and, and, uh, but brand new voices as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. So go by the website avianation.tv and check those out. Uh, But again, what we typically do is we look back at the year and see what was the biggest stories, what were the most downloaded ones. Our first story actually starts briefly in in 2018, following Plantronics' acquisition of Polycom in March of this year. They rebranded the two rebranded together under a new logo of Poly, a new logo and a new mission statement of providing innovative solutions for huddle rooms and collaborative spaces. On AV Week 395, Poly's own Sam Kennedy starts off talking about the process of becoming united under Poly and where the company. Would be headed in the unified communication space.
1: It was a lot of coming together, figuring out who was who, and what what do we want to do moving forward. Um, I, and I don't think anyone was in a rush to uh, to just change the name and change the brand just to do it. It was you know, what, what what we want. We really wanted to do it right. I think uh, looking back, it's uh, shoot, we we were looking at doing just a separate event on our own. But, uh, but we felt Enterprise Connect was the right time. It was a lot of the key partner, a big part of what we do is, is, is our integration and partnerships. And so where everyone else was there, we thought Enterprise Connect would be, would be the right time. And so, uh, so that's why we, we chose this week. I, I wouldn't read into it any more than, than that. I mean, it was, it was really uh, just building around this strong partnership and, and, and having everyone really be part of Th- this big launch so i think it, it really looked at it turned out to be uh, be well worth it i think
0: margo from a standpoint of somebody who's, who's watched this space for a long time this was one of the more significant mergers and acquisitions and let's let's kind of time you know constrain this time frame here the last 10 years we've seen a number of what i would say blockbuster mnas right not only in the uh, integration market, but also in the, in the manufacturer side very few of them, though, were were had the word had the the billion dollar uh, behind it, right? We, I think I can count on one hand. I could be wrong about that. So this is one of the more significant ones we've seen. What does this say and what does this mean? Uh, not only the, the obviously that we're a year after the merger and acquisition, but the fact that Polycom and Plantronics and are, are saying you know this we're we're we are in this UC space by virtue of this rebrand
4: well, I think it's it's really electrifying, and I think it really points exactly to the trend of how is everything going to tie together there's no shortage of screens of conference room solutions of even you know native um, solutions that have Zoom baked in, that have teams baked in, that have Skype for Business baked in but what's really interesting, and I think what my readers both crave and are observing are frictionless systems so that they can deploy at scale so that they can get all of their remote users, their on-site users up and running so they're collaborating in real time. They're not fielding like a billion, skillion, um, urgent help desk calls that they need to update a driver. There's plugins not working. So with an acquisition like this, where you have the ubiquity of Polycom, you know that conference room, that phone solution that we all know, we can see it with, or you know, we can imagine it as you walk into any conference room. And what I'm getting from the coverage of Enterprise Connect is that the merger really creates a way to pivot and stay absolutely agile as AI enabled solutions come into the, you know, user experience becomes more important. The voice assistance as machine learning kind of brings up the AI enabled Alexa for business systems. That they're going to position themselves in a place that can grow and adapt as the user change, the user needs change and grow and adapt. But again, going right back to that frictionless way of thinking about deployments at scale. And so, you know, the soft product uh, trend is just going to continue. And I think this is really interesting, and I'm going to be watching it closely. And again, my perspective is from the the tech manager side of things. As the editor at large of AV Technology, I'm always thinking about the IT manager and the AV manager and what their pain points are and where they need to add value. And so something like this really, again, it just gets to that point of bringing the solutions together in a more comprehensive way. And it's really interesting. And again, this sort of breathtaking number of announcements is also fascinating too. I was not at Enterprise Connect this year. I I had to miss it, but I've been there in the past and it really does continue to grow in relevance in the tech manager community. And even in the press release that I read the IT manager gets a lot of name dropping, as it were, that kind of new decision maker, really, in the AV conversation as uh, UCC and telephony kind of merges again into that soft codex space. So definitely on trend and really interesting. So it's great to hear the inside word from you, Sam.
0: Our next segment covers the end of AV as we know it. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, theatrics aside, uh, Andrew Davis wrote an article concerning the evolving role of the software engineer and where hardware might be headed in the next decade. Luke Jordan starts off AV week 410 talking about how integrators can grow in a software-defined market.
2: I think the first thing is you gotta do the peripherals really well. Um, I I agree that the transducers aren't going away. Um, Microphone speakers, acoustics, all of that has to be done um, just near perfect every time um i do agree with the article as a whole that you are seeing a lot of networked audio video you know dante's doing video now av over ip uh, things are living in the cloud and i uh, think you are seeing a lot of it managers really changing a lot of their internal policies for whose network uh, things live on and and what is being communicated and passed around and who's got access. And so that's all being rewritten. Um, So I do think it's definitely moving that way. And I think, you know, you see uh, a lot of manufacturers or or a few manufacturers are starting to move into that development side to support that, that need. Uh, But I think the, the the critical part that has to go hand in hand with that is, is you can currently still do AV without, the the software side and so if you're going to move into that software defined space the the physical elements that that can't change like speakers mics cameras everything that's mentioned that has to be executed perfectly um and it's all just got to work hand in hand
0: all right michael uh luke mentioned the manufacturers what do manufacturers do i mean do you guys focus on the transducers you guys atlas sells several of those do you focus on those and make sure you do those really, really well, but also make sure that you have the software in the back end to support it?
5: You know, Atlas ID, as, as a typical example, we've got the endpoints, right? We've got the, the transducers, the speakers on the end, but they're all being controlled and managed by uh, hardware applications that require software programming. And we're one of many, many manufacturers that require or have a similar model. And so this transition to software driving the endpoints is is already in full swing, um, and and it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen over time. But uh, as a manufacturer, we and and most others are already on that transition.
0: All right, Kaylee, uh, you've got a unique position, uh, at least from the, the 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 rest of us three. Uh, you've worked for both manufacturers and and integrators as well. So when it comes to this view of the future. How do we get both manufacturers and integrators together? And honestly, the designers that kind of start everything uh, right after they, do, they get done doing a start site survey, they then have to change their process, I guess, uh, from you know thinking about you know, starting with middleware, which when I was a designer, that's where we would start, is how many endpoints and outpoints did we have, to really focusing on the peripherals, I guess.
6: So I want to start by saying it was a very well-written article, But I think it does a disservice to ignore the future of technology and the new products that are being developed, that are being thought of. You can talk about endpoints and endpoints and how do we design around what is here currently, but without considering there is so much future tech that's still being developed, that's new things that haven't been seen before, that haven't been shown, (laughs) that will be taken into consideration. And yes, software is a giant piece of it. And yes, programming is integral and imperative if we're going to talk about future state, but you can't ignore that things are changing. And I think that was more what the article was trying to talk about. Don't stick in the past and and get stuck thinking that all you have are what's been done before. And how do you make that better? You have so much new stuff coming out every single day
0: Moving forward, we discuss the long-standing legal dispute between Sure, a underwriter of Nation, uh, and Clear One. The two companies have been feuding as far back as 2016 regarding the similarity in their ceiling microphone solutions. However, in August of 2019, a U.S. federal judge issued a temporary injunction against Shure preventing the sale or marketing of the MX-A910 ceiling microphone in the United States. On AV Week 416, Jamie Trader starts off talking about the tricky subject of patent disputes and what this could mean for both companies moving forward.
5: This is not really a subjective area. There's definitions here. There's defined tolerances around those definitions. You know, we need to trust the the, the, the patent board. We need to trust the courts, and we just need to follow their interpretations of where do people operate within these tolerances. The message to the industry is the message, as it always is, is... Look, as manufacturers, you know, we have to look at innovation through a couple of vectors. You know, we got to look through performance, value, speed to market, and integrity, right? And in everything you build, you're you're bringing all these factors together. You're looking at what's the what's the best path to market. And a lot of times, there's licensing strategies. There are um, different types of JDM, ODM, OEM strategies involved, where you're constantly working within. Others, intellectual property and you're looking at what value add can you add to combined experiences and This is one of those areas where it's a lot more blatant and there's definitely some strong opinions between these two organizations, just like there's been in the past between, you know, Other manufacturers like Crestron and Lutron and and things like that, where People get into an area where they feel like they're interpreting something in a way that is a Stronger interpretation than others interpretation, but this is where we just say you know what Trust the courts. Trust trust the legal definitions of it. And once once those statements are made, and once those definitions are are withheld in one direction or another, everyone's going to work well together because this is our industry, and this is this is nothing different. You know, there's a, a ton of complex manufacturing options, bringing stuff together, and at the end of the day, once the law says what it is, everyone gets paid the way they're supposed to get paid. The monetization system works, and everyone keeps coming to market and keep trying to think of the next new thing to innovate with. So I don't see this one as being anything major significant. I think this is just a very visible portion of what manufacturing is today. It's a very market visible portion of how people look at one another's technology and how you come to market, All right.
0: George, is there something that, that the industry can do to help educate um, both, you know, not just each other, but also the courts, because this is a very technical case. This is not something I would expect a judge who, let's be honest, they go to law school. They, they're they not exactly sitting next to me uh, at Biamp uh, University or in, in, you know, Jamie's uh, classes learning DSP. So how do we make sure that um, the, 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 courts are educated, honestly, that, that we and, and, and the other folks in the industry, whether it be tech managers or the IT folks, uh, understand exactly the the tenets of, of the technologies that, that we're all talking about?
7: Well, I don't think you actually can. I mean, you can have advisory people, and I think in the court ruling, if you read through it, and it's lengthy, uh, that there were some Untechnical or unindustry people, non-industry people who are ruling in or at least giving advice to the judge based on some of that information. So I don't think you can. It's sort of, look, it's also like the, the U.S. Congress, uh, the telecommunications and the technology board uh, uh, committees, most of them are infamously uh, unaware of how things actually work. Uh, the whole tubes versus the dump truck comes to mind and others more recently um it's sort of similar to look there was the uh this going to sound like a stretch but there's the katie perry lawsuit with her song the dark horse which they ruled was very similar to another oh, song yeah. some christian rap song and it was basically eight bars not even so how do you say that there's an iteration of something that is so similar because it's around the same theme there's only so many variations you can work with that they start to overlap and that's my trouble with some of this is that you have something that's called, you know, this, this, this certain way of putting those microphones together, the array, the, 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 the configuration in a ceiling tile, which we've all been wanting, and it's always been something that's been talked about. How do you really define that as so unique that you have a global patent that basically says, I own the ceiling? And, and I don't see, and to me, that makes me worry that there's so little innovation going on that we have to fight over a minutia of something. Now, the logarithm behind it, the actual maths within it, Sure. But the actual, you know, I mean, if it's identical and the, and the microphones go exactly the same way and you can't prove that it wasn't, you know, I, it wasn't something you copied rather than developed on a, on a scientific basis, I really worry about that part of it. And in fact, much of it's going away, which means that our market's getting much tighter and the innovations are harder to come by in that realm.
5: Well, it, it really, okay. I think you made, made a good point there, George, in the, in the sense that you, you are talking about there is a degree of specificity of what becomes patentable. I mean, you can't say you're going to own the ceiling. I, you know, when you look at the three patents that are being questioned and defended in here, I mean, you do get two of those three get pretty granular into the algorithm. And and I think that once you get into the algorithm of what you're doing with the beam, how you're shaping the beam, and then how you're, you know, if, if you look at like, one, I think it's 186 specifically, you know, they're talking about how that algorithm is used to fix the beam and then how that beam is used against an echo cancellation mechanism. Mm-hmm. And that gets, that gets pretty calculated in there. And, it's, and But because there's three tiers that are being questioned, you do have this algorithm, you have a combination of the algorithm against the cancellation, and then you've got the assembly of it into that ceiling grid. So all three of those stack up, you go, I can see both are guys' points, right? I mean, but there is math involved in there and I can definitely see them defending the math, right?
7: Yeah, and my, my, my quandary is, is, is sort of the, the way that a lot of people have been commenting on this and people much smarter than me in this world of the legality of it all was that they're basically saying, I have a patent on the car because my engine is different. <laughs> That's great, but you don't have a patent on the car. And if you do, what does that do to it? I mean, we've seen this before with people wanting to patent the internet. They have the telecommunication patent that says how you run data over a wire. But that's, you know, I mean, you got to have some room for innovation here and allow that to happen.
0: Our final segment comes to us from AV Week 420. More often than not, real-life events intersect with the AV industry uh, and AV installations, as was the case with Hurricane Dorian this year, affecting many businesses and installations on the East Coast. Brock McGinnis starts off talking about what integrators can do for their businesses and their customers
8: to prepare for situations such as extreme weather um weather's terrifying uh because it uh, it's the one element that we really can't control and so all you can do is protect and prevent against those things that that you can um our live events uh, teams uh, when they're rigging outdoor stages for festivals uh, we have mobile trucks uh mobile stages uh, they are incredibly safety conscious, and uh, more so and more so all the time because of the number of tragic accidents that have occurred within the industry. Um, and and so it it's a case of if you you know if you think you need a couple of hundred pounds of water uh, on the end of every rope that's holding a tent or something, uh, make it five hundred pounds because uh, it it it's really all that you can do. Um, the uh, uh, there are some. Some very important AV people that will have been involved uh, in the Dorian storm and others, uh, people manning emergency operation centers, uh, and uh, and the technology that has been involved uh, at NASA, at other agencies. I am in awe of those people um, uh, and uh, and the efforts that they put in. When, uh, when water's coming in your uh, second floor windows, nobody cares about the TV and <laughs> nobody cares about AV. Um, but uh, but uh, our emergency operations brethren and the folks in the industry that specialize in ensuring those systems are up and running, that have uh, multiple uh, layers and levels of connectivity uh, to video, to internet, uh, to s- uh, satellite communication, my hat's off to them, they've had a heck of a week.
0: So, uh, Jim, uh, same kind of question to you and Vinovation not only does with commercial AV, but also with broadcast. Take it from both sides of that and in, in what we can do and what Yeah,
3: you- in, in the, uh, I can think of an example, several examples in the uh, more uh, AV space. We, we do a lot of work uh, building uh, in-house IPTV systems, television distribution systems, digital signage systems. We just finished uh, last week an installation at uh, Paramount Pictures, uh, lighting up their whole lot with, with a direct TV, moving stage feeds around the campus. And uh, we have a secondary phase to the system where we're going to integrate EAS or emergency alert system. So uh, maybe more of a preventative uh, uh, measure to you know so people can evacuate a facility, a public facility, uh, nowadays, uh, every uh, management company, building owner, landlord—they're um, all concerned of an active shooter on campus. What do we do? What are the procedures? So the uh, the television system can be an important piece of of alerting the general public or alerting your uh, your employees. We we've done work with casinos, so it's more of a public announcement. So you have members of the public in your casino that need to evacuate uh, versus uh, uh, on the enterprise side where it's, it's more about employees and, and, and alerting them to, uh, to evacuate. Um, you know, on the broadcast side, uh, the, the communication systems are usually more critical. You, you know, if, if um, on the AV side, if somebody's conference room projector goes out, uh, business is not going to stop. <laughs> But if a broadcaster where the show is, uh, is the main uh, source of revenue, uh, you want everything, you know, uh, dual redundant, triple redundant, quadruple redundant. Um, uh, I, an example that comes to mind is the Super Bowl in 2013, where they, they lost uh, uh, part of the lighting uh, due to an electrical outage in, in the stadium. And... Um, you know, the, the game had to be halted. The, the field wasn't properly lit. Uh, the broadcasters lost. Uh, I think they had only one camera on. So um, that was a major disaster. And, you know, the question was if, if, the, if a, a, re, a faulty relay, I believe, was blamed on that. So, uh, you know, the electric company pointed at the stadium owner for doing something wrong. The stadium pointed at the local power authority. Well, why did you put the wrong relay in or a faulty relay? But someone should have had backup generators. You know, there should have been event power. Uh, I mean, you know this, Brock. I, I'm sure you have uh, Caterpillar or somebody with with uh, uh, multiple uh,
8: trucks and uh, trucks. Exactly. Yeah,
3: exactly. Generators need to be there, and you know, you would think that would be out of the purview of the of the broadcaster. But you, if you don't have any electricity, you're going to be knocked off the air. So, um, I always ask my customers, how important is this? television transmission or a bit ovation we move video from point a to point b so are you the primary rights holder if this video goes down for three minutes what is that going to cost you well we're charging uh four million dollars per minute for advertising so i guess if we go down for four minutes that's uh, eight million dollars so uh, uh then maybe dual triple quadruple redundancy on all aspects power connectivity communications Even personnel, you know, makes sense.
0: Thank you so much for listening and for watching this episode of AB Week, this special year-end edition, best of episode. It was a a huge year, as I said before, for us here at AB Nation. Um, For us, me personally, I guess, uh, for us here in St. Louis, I'm I'm wearing my St. Louis Blues uh, jersey. Uh, That's just for Tom LeBlanc. Uh, who actually exited a uh, commercial integrator this year. We've seen a lot of people come and go a lot of moving and shaking in the industry. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Mergers and acquisitions will continue to be a, a thing. Uh, and if you want to hear more of my prognostications about 2020 coming up, uh, you can watch the next episode of Week. comes up uh, the first part of the year where we look back at the biggest stories and, and talk to really smart people and I'll, I'll put my two cents as well. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much for listening and continuing to watch and, continuing to listen and support aviation with your eyes and your ears uh, we appreciate the feedback that we get we appreciate the, the comments uh, and the directions you know we're we're still um you know we're, we're still evolving and as as is everybody but we're still evolving and listening to the the audience and seeing you you tell us what you want to hear you tell us what you want to listen to and what you want to read and and we'll do our very, very 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 best to to do it to uh Uh, the same quality and the same level that we've been doing for for eight years now. So for all of us here at Aviation Nation uh, and and all of our underwriters and our supporters, we thank them for their continued support. If you want to find out more about them and what that means, you can go by avianation.tv. For all of our crew here, uh, our editor, uh, Mitchell Tulin, our editor, uh, our our site editor, uh, Lenore Elaine, our uh, social media folks, uh, um, Alexandra, uh, also Matt Scott, Bradford, Ben, and George Tucker and myself. Thank you so much for helping us continue to make Aviation what it is also to our host uh, of all of our, our various shows um, take a look at those if you would please and we thank them for their continued time and efforts so all of us here at Aviation, we wish you a very very happy holidays and a very prosperous and incredible 2020 so go by the website for more information about us that's avianation.tv Aviation.tv. thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching that's all the time we have for av week